Today's guest is a commercial fisherman in the cold waters of Alaska. How much more manly can you get, right? <laughs> he has raised his kids on the fishing boat out on the water with him. Richard Wheeler shares with us his experiences and his perspectives on the world. Are you ready to live life to the full? Are you ready to rise up and live a life of honor? Are you ready to boldly step into a life of courage? This is the Manlyhood Mancast. And here's your host, Josh Atcher. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Manlyhood Mancast. I want to invite you right now to join the private Facebook group. It's called the Manlyhood Man Cave. It's a place where you are going to grow and become a better man because you're going to have community around you. We uh, have what we like to call a safe space. I know when you hear the word safe space, you think like a whole lot of baggage. <laughs> but I just want you, like it's a place really guys where we men can be men without shame, without fear, without regret, and where the men in the group have your back, where the men are there to build you up and help you become better. Why would you not want that? So go to the private Facebook group and join, sign up. We'd love to have you because we're going to be better men together. Something else I want you to do, guys, I want you to go to manlyhood.com slash store and check out the Manlyhood Apothecary Beard Oil. Uh, you really need this for your beard. It's amazing. It's got CBD in it. And it's got other oils, and it's going to make your beard smell great. It's going to foster beard growth, and you're going to have a great beard. And your wife or your girlfriend is going to say, Ooh, you smell nice. <laughs> and your beard is so soft. How do you get it so soft? She might even try to steal it and use it for her hair. So get it, because you need it. Go to manlyhood.com slash store to get the Manlyhood Apothecary Beard Oil. Guys, we invited Richard Wheeler to be on the show today because his career is a manly career. It is deep sea fishing on the Alaskan cold waters, and he's got a fantastic, a fantastic perspective on life and on the world, and I'm really glad to be able to have this conversation. So without further ado, well, Rich, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what what the work that you do? And uh, I think it's a really interesting <laughs> story, and, and what you're doing, I think, is going to be of a lot of value and interest to our men that, that we have listening today. So, so yeah. tell me a little bit about yourself, man. So um, uh, I just turned 50 this year. Um, I've been commercially fishing for about 25 years, uh, and I started fishing when I was, let's see, about 25 years old, 26 in there, and um, was interested in doing the job. And uh, one of my best friends growing up, we were you know, best friends growing up from childhood, uh, wrestled through high school together and then went to Oregon State together, wrestled there. And then he uh, went to uh, Alaska and got a job, super educated, really smart guy. And I got done with school myself and um, went to, and um, he came back and said, hey, let's, you should give this a try. So I got on a boat up in Alaska and uh, gave it a swing, and from there, um, it's developed into what I do today. And it's uh, been a, a wonderful lifestyle. Awesome. A lot so, of work. So, what kind of fishing do you do you uh, mainly strive for out there? So right now, uh, we're in the middle of our um, our Copper River season, which is uh, we gillnet, which is um, we go out in small boats. Uh, we use um, Small, like the, the boat size that I'm on right now is a, a 32 foot. Uh, we draw uh, approximately, I think my boat draws probably two and a half feet. Uh, my, my boat specifically has twin engines. And I can um, I have about, let's see, so just about 700 horsepower. Uh, and I can go anywhere from, I, I cruise about 25 knots and top speed is about 32. Dots. And so we're uh, we're fishing anywhere from uh, 
300 feet deep to uh, oftentimes um, I'm bouncing off the bottom, getting on the beach and, you know, fishing in the surf and playing in the waves. Uh, the other times a year, in the beginning of the year, uh, March and April, I'm long lining for halibut black cod. And we're off, uh, you know, generally about 100 miles offshore, fishing on the continental shelf, um, out in no man's land and fishing for uh, uh, primarily black cod at that that that. Uh, area, and then we get in a little bit shallower for our halibut. And that's what I primarily did before I, I came to the Copper River, is I, I exclusively longlined for about uh, six months of the year, uh, up and down, you know, uh, the coast of Alaska and then uh, off the Washington coast. So pretty, pretty neat opportunity to do uh, this kind of work. Yeah, I think a lot of men love to fish, but I don't know if they're cut out for making it a lifestyle, right? Making it their career. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And uh, not, as I was told, uh, which was somewhat disappointing to me to hear this, uh, I was told that um, my very first time in Seward, uh, I got the chance to jump on uh, Cena's dad's boat, my wife's boat, or my wife's father's boat, and uh, made it in Seward. We're at a bar. Uh, a famous bar in Seward, uh, and the gentleman that owned the Vancey uh, was sitting there with me, and then my father-in-law introduced me to him, and he said, well, fishing's not for everybody. And I was like, uh, really? It's uh, I, I mean, I potentially might not be able to do this. I was uh, disappointed that even the thought and the notion that this wouldn't be for me. So uh, I, I have been, I think, really fortunate that I've, uh, it's fit my lifestyle, it's fit my uh, and mentality and, and uh, everything else. So w- when you go out on a, on a fishing trip, how many do you usually kind of pull in a day? Well, depend, uh, if I'm long lining, uh, we're, we're looking anywhere from, we like to, you know, 20,000 to 30,000 pounds a day long lining. Uh, and we'll be running anywhere from, you know, um, 10,000 to, you know, 25,000 hooks. Um, and then when we're gill netting, you know, uh, depending where we're fishing, but you know, we, we do a fish count generally. And if I, you know, if you're on the Copper River, you know, uh, I would say, you know, anywhere from three to 500 fish a day, that, you know, that's a good day. That's awesome. Yeah. So have you found that there are, you know, I know when people go out, just to fish, they say, well, it's not about catching, it's about fishing. Do you have days where it's not as good as others, or do you find up there yeah. that it's pretty plentiful? No. It, every every day is different from the day before, and every uh, throughout the, the period. And it, even to describe it as, uh, you know, everybody wants to be their own strip boat captain. As I, I talk to uh, my crew uh, that I have today, you know, running the facility that I operate, um these kids come up here and they their eyes are big and and they all want you know to go out and be the captains of their own boat um, and so from the moment that you set your net uh, and you pick it up the fish have moved you know so it's a real challenge to you know to try to put the net in front of these fish and uh, uh, and then when you're out long lining uh, finding you know where these fish are at and, and doing it in a methodical way that doesn't waste a lot of time and waste a lot of energy doing it so there's, there's a lot of steps to this. Yeah, I know here in where I live in Bradford, PA, it gets pretty cold during the winter, but I imagine it's probably even harsher up there in that part of the world. Uh, so generally, you know, like when you're out in the ocean, it's a, it's a funny thing that, you know, um, I, didn't, I didn't really pick up on it. Uh, on my first couple of years of fishing, but uh, out on the ocean, it, it's different. It's you have this. It, it's not during the times that I fish. It's, it's not this frigid, cold, Arctic air. Uh, you know, you're not having maybe early in the season you might get some freezing spray, and maybe towards the end of the season you'll get some freezing spray. But it's you know generally, it's pretty uh, a temperate climate for the most part. And there, there's times it, it's cold, like, you know, we'll, we'll come up here and you'll start fishing and gotcha. you'll wake up in the morning and um, there'll be snow on the deck. But generally, you know, oftentimes you don't really see a lot of rain offshore either. So it's, you know, you'll get the winds, of course, and the big storms, but it's mm-hmm. not something that's so um, 
it's, it's quite a bit different on, on the ocean when you're deep sea fishing rather than, you know, inland or closer to shore, I should say. When you go out and you're long lining in the deep sea, do you have, are you out for a long time or do you just go out for the day? What does that look like? You're generally out, you want to make, you know, generally about a, a six to seven day trip. Um, and here again, it's all about the, the inconsistencies of long lining is um, one, um, how many days it takes you and how, how much you're going to get paid. And uh, so if you can do it quickly, uh, you're going to get paid more because your expenses are lower. And then, uh, and then how many fish you're bringing aboard and how quickly you're bringing those fish aboard. So, Rich, I hear that you have your family do a lot of work with you. What's, yep. What is that experience like? Has that been good for you and your family? It's, it's pretty incredible. So uh, we started out uh, before all this doing um, some pretty incredible. Um, they would come up with me before we started 60 North uh, and crew with me. All the kids would get on deck, and I would pay them. I had some wonderful advice from a friend that said, make sure that you pay your kids. Don't, you know, not pay them. And because you want them to get hooked onto this thing, you want them to be a part of this. And, and uh, I think that money talks and they've responded really well to, to that. So um, they come up and, and my, I have a son that's 16 years old, very athletic, very capable. And he's right on the brink of, um, if he chooses this to be a career, um, he can make a lot of money uh, to tell you that he doesn't have a choice at this point. This is what he's gonna do until he graduates college. Yes, uh, that, that's how we look at it. But the, the girls uh, are also just as interested in uh, they're greedy and they want money too. And they will, you know, go out and work on deck and, and do whatever we can. It's been a, a really a wonderful time. And then we get to all, of course, look back at the pictures over the years and, and just see, you know, how young they were being out on the ocean and, and uh, you know, doing some pretty fun things. How old were they when you started? See, my young or my oldest was when they started with me. Huey was seven, and then down uh, my young, my next youngest would be uh, Vancy. She's three years younger, so she would have been four. And then Edie, uh, my youngest daughter, uh, was just uh, big enough that we put her in a box in the galley, and that's what she she uh, kicked around in for a couple weeks. So super easy at that point. <laughs> Yeah, throw in her potato box and <laughs> tell yeah, her to hold yeah, on. That's, a, that's about what um, it was. It was, was it literally a dangerous ex- potato box. <laughs> was it a, a dangerous experience for, I mean, is, I am assuming just anytime you're out on the ocean, there's some danger involved. I'm assuming that if you're bringing your little kids, that there's probably a little less danger than maybe the guys you see on Deadliest Catch, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it's uh, of course. There's always danger uh, for us at that point. It's probably uh, maybe even a more a navigational danger. You know, just kind of keeping your wits of you and, and watching. Um, and then the other danger would be other you know fishermen around you, somebody not paying attention and hitting you, or uh, you know those sorts of things. So it's um, you just it, it, at any moment something could happen. And to tell you that um, sometimes it does always happen. There's just things that happen. What's Was there ever a time when you had your kids out when you were concerned? You know, maybe some danger came and then you guys had to deal with it. What was that like? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we were fishing on the flats uh, and it was dark and uh, being out there and these tides are running and these fish come in on these tides. Um and I had my net out there and I was getting sucked in. Um, and I remember being in a position where uh, it was probably not the nicest of weather. And we got sucked into, uh, into a, little, a little soft tuck down in, um, down in the flats. And uh, I remember bouncing off the bottom. Uh, the girls and Cena were down sleeping down below. And uh, we could feel, you know, Cena knew that I was hitting bottom and I was, you know, it, it was one of these situations where I was really hoping I wasn't going to get washed up on the beach because I was having a hard time getting my net back. And I think that I had Huey, he was big enough at that time. Yeah, he was, I think about 14 at the time. And he was, so he was big enough to be a hand and, you know, really I needed him to help me, you know, make sure I got my net back and then navigating back out of uh, really super shallow waters, 
you know, trying not to run over anybody else's net at the same time. And then I'd be dead in the water too. So tell me about your relationship with your family when you're working together. Has that been uh, good for your relationship? Has it been a challenge? Uh, of course, it, um, it's been great. Um, I, I think that one, seeing both Sina and I work hard is a great example and setting the expectations that, you know, they are to work hard themselves. And always, always great. You know, we're not, uh, uh, it'd be like uh, laying around drinking beer all day long. Laying on the couch is a you know that's probably not maybe the best example, um, but we we do it the opposite way. We work a lot, we work hard, and we work. Cena and I work together, and we work really well together. Um, and having my kids on board, um, or in, even working in the plant, is something nothing but pride and joy because there's there is a difference. They work a little bit harder uh, because they know that the expectation is you know set that much harder. Yeah, I, I think a lot about the way that our culture used to be. We had an agrarian society, and the dads would go out to the field to work, and the kids would go out and work with them. And somewhere along the line, we've really been kind of separate from each other. So I always love to hear stories of times when the kids and the whole family can work together on something. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, to say that uh, my kids are paying attention, I, I, I was brought up the same way. My dad worked really hard. And I worked with my dad also, just as my kids did. And there was times that I didn't work with my dad. And so there's there's times that I'm going, boy, you know, I hope these kids aren't going to be a you know a bunch of lazy uh, potato bags. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think that they're going to be okay. I think that they're going to see how to work hard and what they're going to need to do to work hard. And they're not going to be afraid of it. Yeah. What's the what's your favorite part about your career as a fisherman? Great question. I love the start of the season, and I love uh, particularly when I was longlining. Um, I got to, to take the boat up at the beginning of the season. Uh, it was my rite of passage. It was the time that I had uh, acquired all these maybe bad habits over the winter time, and I got to hit the reset button as soon as I got on the boat to hit up the inside. We took four days to get to Juneau uh, and uh, got to really focus on, you know, maybe trying some, some new things, uh, new habits, uh, breaking old habits, and, and then uh, spending some time um, maybe doing some extra reading. I listen to a lot of audiobooks on tape, and so, you know, really picking up on that stuff. So that's probably one of the, the greatest things that I love about, you know, um, my job is just, you know, the start of every season. I get to try something new. Uh, and re a lot of reflection. And then, of course, the end. I love finishing. That's awesome. Love, you find that yeah. – um, yeah, yeah, the harvest is always good, right, when you can uh, make sure the numbers add up and it feels good to see <laughs> yeah. how well it went. Yeah. Do you find that um, – that, that that time when you are working on kind of that reset for you that and, and building those habits when you talk about that what kind of habits do you find yourself needing to work on to to be prepared for that oh you know as of late it's been uh, like a lot of positivity a lot of um, really into the uh, the mental side of things um, you know I coach um, high school wrestling and actually I coach period I, I do a lot of coaching the youth and so I'm really into the, the aspect of uh, you can accomplish about anything you set your mind to. And, you know, really thinking about I'm really big on goal setting. And so some of those things, um, I really take the time to reflect and analyze and set goals and, you know, try to, um, you know, this year um, I'm taking vitamins. Um, it, you know, and I really try to do that every single day. And it's one of these things that I do. And then I wake up in the morning and, uh, you know, do push-ups, go to bed, do push-ups, you know, so just sort of fun mind things that I try to do. And I try to uh, see how, it, you know, just mindset, really work on mindset. Do you find that makes a difference for your fishing itself? Absolutely. Yeah. I hold myself to a, a high expectation. Um, I don't, uh, uh, I work hard. I work hard to, you know, provide for my family and uh, be there for them. And I, I don't sleep a lot uh, because, um, you know, I, I 
look forward to uh, getting home and spending time with them. And I want to, you know, provide best I can and and celebrate when I get home. So I don't take a lot of time for me up here to say, you know, uh, so I, I might feel a little guilty when I um, sleep through a period or, or a net pick or something like that. So I'm up working hard. What are some of the things that you need to do in terms of your mindset to, to kind of prepare yourself for that work? Do you find yourself having, you know, is there, you know, you talk about audio books, anything in particular that you're using that's really helping you? Yeah. Uh, so I'll share with you that um, in order to work here for me uh, in, in this capacity that I'm in, I, I also fish and then I also run a small processing facility that we, we bought. Um, in order to work for me, you have to set goals. And I'm huge into goals. I'm huge into uh, the, the, the process of setting a goal. And then I, I take it serious myself. I have a goal that I work on daily and it's um and as i tell my kids my kids have, could probably verbatim tell you my goal and it's before i set my feet on the ground i've already decided what kind of day i'm going to have and it's that mindset of uh controlling my day um working at that every single day and i literally before i put my feet on the ground i've already decided and then i roll out of bed and i put my feet on the ground and I'm, i got my mindset ready for the day the challenge and every day is not going to be the same. I'm going to have different challenges throughout the day, but I'm still working on achieving, you know, uh, having the best day that I can and making it great. That's awesome, Rich. I love it. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. some of the things that I've been working on as well and working with our, our guys as well, just kind of processing that. Uh, the, the Your mindset has such an effect on everything that we do. You know, I, everything. I will find myself getting grumpy and – you know, I, I'm upset about something or I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. you know, all the, all that stuff goes out the door, you know, sometimes when the challenges come. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, really big into, you know, like reading and, you know, um, shifting to neutral is one of these things that I love when I say that and somebody comes back at me like, Oh, Hey, I've read that book. Um, you know, and it's something that I work with my kids and it's, you know, we're, we're, um, let's think about the process right now and where we're at and, how we're going to accomplish and get over the hump and, and uh, get over obstacles is really challenging. And it might not be the best thing that is happening right at that moment, but um, we're going to get to neutral. We're going to uh, think about it and uh, and then move on and not dwell. As I'm working, this is, you know, very personal, but I'm, I'm really working on this. My 10-year-old is huge on this. Um, both of us are very similar in mindset and, uh, um, we tend to hold on to things a little bit too long and maybe grind on them a little bit longer than we should and really getting to that point of releasing and then moving on past it. Yeah. What are some of the books that you've, that you've read that, that have helped you in this work? Oh, it, it takes what it takes. Um, you know, chosen suffering, um, boy, that what it was, uh, 10 rules of resilience is another, like a, just real positive, like, uh, uh, it's okay to do, you know, hard things and, and you can do hard things and you can challenge yourself to do hard things. Um, Trevor Moab, uh, is, you know, great author that, you know, he passed away here recent and, uh, anything that, you know, he, I've read both of his books and, um, this that was probably single-handedly the, the most influential book that I've ever read on me personally, just really working on my mindset. That's awesome. Do you find that it makes you not only a better fisherman, but it makes you a better husband, better father? Yeah, absolutely. Always striving to, you know, be better, uh, you know, and, and not accepting mediocrity and uh, being uh, analyzing myself, um, you know, just to, you know, just kind of always keeping uh, not getting too far off track. Yeah, it really helped me. Richard, what do you guys do for fun out there in Alaska? Oof. Uh, I'll tell you, that's probably the one area that we have really lacked, quite honestly, is uh, going out and enjoying the scenery. It's because it's just, uh, and it's probably my fault, because when we get here, I, I, I work because I feel so guilty 
being up here without my family, um, that I haven't taken a lot of time to go do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, when they do come, we try to go out and at least do something fun while they're here. One neat adventure. And uh, last year was a bucket list deal. We uh, we took the boat out to Kayak Island. Uh, if you went and looked at a chart of Alaska, and you'd see uh, the Gulf of Alaska. And then if you're uh, looking at Prince William Sound, there's an island that jets out um, off to the the right hand side. And it um, we we drove the boat out there and then circumnavigated the island. And it just did some unbelievable beachcombing. Saw some really cool stuff, and all while. Uh, off in the distance, uh, I could watch my son on another boat, you know, long lining, you know, so it was pretty cool. Um, years prior, we'd go to Prince William Sound and, you know, uh, we've had experiences where on my birthday, we'd been up on the glaciers watching the glaciers calve, um, you know, taking uh, uh, glacial ice and having a cocktail, um, you know, having icebergs bounce off the boat, um, you know, fun adventures like that, kayaking around. So we, I guess we, we have done some good stuff together as a family up here but uh there's always this year we did a, a pretty neat hike uh pretty challenging hike up uh, up on top of sheridan glacier so it was pretty neat yeah that sounds like a lot of fun i think i did i think yeah. every time i think of alaska that's what i think i think about all the adventure that's there and it's kind of hard i mean you have adventure every day as part of your job too so <laughs> yeah yeah kind of you know like uh yesterday um i got to go out and uh, my family's back home right now, but I got a couple of the guys in the uh, in the shop that we went out and uh, uh, had to go up and pick up uh, you know, a couple hundred dozen oysters, you know, uh, about a half hour away. So we went out there and it was uh, not ideal conditions and it took three of us and I'm, I'm glad that I went and was able to help out and be a part of it. So fun stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Richard, I like to ask my guests uh, some specific questions, and uh, I think this kind of gets to be a fun part of the interview because we get to see uh, inside your brain in a new way. What um, what does it take to be a man? This when when um, prior to this, uh, you had sent me the this this, and I looked at this and I was like. Um, this has been a riddle of mine for the past 15 years. That very question, what does it take to be a good man? And I, um, I, I have a degree in sociology. Uh, I'm very pattern oriented. I like looking at patterns and I like you know, trying to figure out a few things. And I will tell you that I think that I figured it out. At least I'm gonna tell myself I did. So I would, uh, uh, I'm laying in bed one night and I, yell at the top of my voice, I, I figured it out. And this has literally been something that I've been trying to figure out. What patterns, and I'm referencing, you know, I'm looking at uh, great men, our presidents, uh, you know, of past, and uh, people that I admire, uh, great CEOs, and what is it in common that they, what, what has made them a good man? And I think it's impulse control. Not blurting out the very thing that comes to your mouth uh, or to your, your brain. And just sitting back and acting like you've been there and having the, the presence to, to know that you can make a, a good decision and um, the right decision. Definitely. I can picture um, that self-control being an important part of a man's life kind of across the board, you know, yeah. not only just with what you speak, but what you do. So many men just do whatever they feel like. Yeah. Yeah, and say whatever they feel. And, you know, we have, uh, I'll reference, um, you know, uh, just – a, a past president that, you know, didn't have the impulse control, you know, just to shut up. <laughs> you don't need to say the very first thing that comes to your mouth. Um, and, you know, that those, that's the sort of thing that I'm talking about uh, and having control to uh, just be aware of where you're at. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, this is a challenge that I work on also. This is one of my goals to tell you also is to really exhibit great uh, self-control. The impulse control. I have, uh, you know, 25 people that work for me, and everybody, uh, their problem is uh, the first and foremost that I got to deal with at that very moment. And oftentimes, I want to tell them to, uh, you know, something else that they probably don't want to hear, but I got to sit and listen to them. And and I, 
I will tell you that I have never felt bad uh, just sitting back and thinking before I spoke. And that's probably might be the best description I've ever given right there is um, because it is a controversial you know, thing. And I can reference the great CEOs um, that don't do that. You know, uh, Steve Jobs, who's, uh, you know, read his book and uh, unbelievable and absolutely suffered from lack of self-control, impulse control. And uh, so it, it's one of these things that, um, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, my dad always told me, Josh, you don't have to say everything that pops in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a time and a place. And, uh, you know, and so it, I, I do really work on it and I enjoy working on it. And uh, I will tell you, oftentimes I fail and I'm like, Ugh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, me too. I fail quite a bit. I'm working on it myself. Uh, yeah. Rich, you said that your youngest is, is 10. So that might make this uh, a really interesting question. If you were to run into the 10-year-old version of yourself, what do you want yourself to know? You can accomplish whatever you set your mind to and have a good time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm a, a, a big believer in uh, pixie dust. And a big believer in uh, nurture versus nature, and these these interactions that I have with young people. And when I'm coaching, uh, I really take the time to my interactions with these kids. I really consider, and you know that I I want them to know that at every turn, I really think that they could accomplish whatever they set their minds to. Uh, it it you know oftentimes I describe this this goal setting as uh, this isn't a wish list. This is a goal that you're going to have to work at. You know, so um, if a kid so desires to, you know, be a, a four-time state champ, absolutely. Do I think you could do it? You bet. Yeah, but it's going to take an immense amount of work. So uh, to to for me to have uh, been touched by uh, uh, somebody and, and had them say, "Hey, you can do whatever you set your mind to." I think um, I, I I think that. I would have been receptive. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think I, uh, some of the people that I ask that question, that follow-up question, some of the people might say no because I was a cocky kid. <laughs> but I do love that that uh, that you can picture that it would have made a difference because, you know, like you said, you're working with kids now, you're coaching kids, and uh, and they need to hear that enforcement, that reinforcement, that encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, literally, I, I really do take uh, interactions with these kids. It's serious. I mean, it, it's uh, because there's that one opportunity that you might get that you say the right thing to that kid that, you know, uh, is the, the rocket fuel that they need uh, to be great. And they're just, you know, missing something. And uh, it's just, uh, uh, I, I think that I was real fortunate to have some people in my life my younger life that really tried to help me along that way. And it wasn't until I got older that I even really realized, you know, that, yeah, I, I can do whatever I set my mind to. And, you know, far more confident than today that I was, you know, even at 45 years old and, you know, on down the line, I mean, I'm, it's 50 years old. I, I feel great. I, my body feels good. My mind feels, you know, great. And I, I can do hard things. Yeah. I love that you're passionate forward too, you know, paying that forward to the kids that you're working on because, uh, you know, I, I think we have a responsibility to make sure the next generation knows what they need to know. I think there's a lot of people out there that haven't been told what they're capable of. Yeah, I think that we, we've really, um, we quit parenting. You know, uh, I have a saying, um, that uh, there's only good kids and shithead parents. And I think that uh, that resonates a lot with people because, you know, when my kids act up, and they do, and they are shitheads, uh, they're only magnifiers of me. So what am I doing at home, you know, to, to let them think that that sort of behavior is acceptable? 
And uh, my, you know, as my, uh, I love my kids immensely, uh, but they all are aware that I'm their parent. I'm not their friend. And it's hard. And uh, parenting is difficult. Um, but, you know, I will also say that uh, my kids are being raised to be winners, too. And I'm not afraid to say that. And uh, I challenge each of them to to be winners. And they'll be winners, uh, you know, whatever they choose to do it in. But, you know, I, I expect uh, good, productive society, you know, uh, humans. Yeah, that's really the whole goal of parenting is to raise uh, productive humans that can continue society yeah yeah isn't it it's it's a crazy to say it's so simple like that you would think that it's that simple and um you know but yet we're you know we're kind of a lot of falling down on the job and and wanting to be you know buddies and friends and it's it's hard and i love my kids unconditionally um you know and it's hard to to be that parent that uh has to say no sorry you don't get to do that so and and i think that um i'm excited to see my kids as adults and there will be times that we'll get to be friends um and uh, i i do think that you never quit parenting um, you know i had a conversation with my mom yesterday that you know, she's parenting me she's you know 70 years old and i'm you know 50 and so i and i appreciate that i appreciate that you know um her willingness to, to do that. So it's something that we can't forget. Yeah. I know you're a little older than me, but I got a little earlier start than you. So I've got grown kids now. I We had four and I've got one that's left at home. She's 17. So my oldest two, they're twins. And uh, I've got grand a grandkid and another grandkid on the way. And, uh, awesome. and that is... Uh, that's when it gets fun, man. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> that's when it gets fun. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I can't wait, but uh, yeah, I can't wait. That's, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you can wait, but you can't, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the next question I like to ask all my guests, Rich, is what is your best advice for the men that are listening today? Ooh, be the best man you can be. And uh, I'll tell you this, um, set goals, and follow through with them. And love, be compassionate, You know, it's, I think, uh, something that uh, we're missing in our society today is um, the example of a, a good man for some reason that, you know, we're, we're just uh, not seeing it anymore. And there's a lot of really, really good people out there. Uh, a lot of really good men out there that um, need to be propped up and, and uh, shown Showing off to is examples to, you know, you and I and, and to yeah. our young people. Yeah, for whatever reason, the, the ugliest and the loudest get all the attention. And yeah. uh, the good men are usually the quiet, soft-spoken ones that aren't in front of everything. Yeah, yeah. And those are, the you know, the ones that we, we do want those people out there and uh, propped up. And um, uh, if I had to go back and do my career again, I, w I would go into education. I really enjoy working with young people. I think it's you know the, the future of obviously of um, our world, our country, our society, our communities, and uh, I think that they're missing uh, good examples of uh, good people and good men. And there's a lot of reasons why that is because you've got a lot of fathers who've neglected their jobs. You've got a culture that doesn't seem to you know, give honor to anything that has any value to it. It's all just nonsense. So I yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely can agree with you there, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a crazy world we live in right now and it's hard, hard to navigate and uh, it's hard to do right. And it's, um, it's just hard to follow through, you know, and, and have that fortitude and, 
there's a lot of obstacles in our way, uh, whether it's drugs and alcohol. And I, you know, I see this every day and it's, um, I've really changed my perspective on those sort of, you know, things. And, and, um, and it, there's, it, it's, it's, it's hard to be a good man, uh, you know, um, as it's hard to be a winner and it should be. So, um, there's guys that do make it look really easy. And, uh, I don't know. I, I strive every day to, you know, to be the best that I can be. And some days I don't. Well, and like you, you said, know, you strive every day to do hard things. Yeah. 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 This job that I'm in right now is hard. It is really, really challenging. Got to wake up every day and deal with, you know, a lot of things that, um, might that might not be the most concerning to me at that very moment, but it's very concerning to the people that you know that person that is uh, challenging a you know a drug or alcohol problem, and and I need them to go to work, and um, but they've been out all night on a bender, and um, so it, it, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of rewards also when you have uh, somebody that that uh, picks up on some of the things that you've been laying down and, and they want to better themselves and they do it. There's nothing more rewarding than that. You know, nothing more rewarding than seeing one of my kids set a goal and accomplishing it. Yeah. I love it because I think in your job, that leadership, those leadership skills that you've acquired, you know, in a lot of ways you've got more kids than just <laughs> the ones you've got at home. You know, the, the yeah. kids that you coach, you've got your people that you lead at work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, daily. It's, um, you know, I don't, uh, um, I don't view myself any more special than anybody else, but I, I definitely have a, I think a skill set and the mindset to, you know, to do this job. And uh, I feel really fortunate that I, I've had the opportunity to go fishing and, and have a lot of solitude and a lot of time to, uh, to think and to, you know, form myself into the person that I want to be. And, it, you know, it's a, always a evolving evolution of trying to be the best person. But, um, you know, one, one of the other things I would elaborate on is, you know, uh, on advice is uh, not always saying no. And that you can do it. And you can do interesting things and, you know, uh, um, you know, um, don't be afraid of success. This is something else that I say is, uh, it's kind of a silly little thing, but it's the truth. It's, you know, that you can do it. Do not be afraid of success. My kids all hear it. We, when we started my business partner and I started 60 North, it was just like, well, it's just, let's not be afraid of success. What, and, uh, what's, what's the worst that could happen? We could win. So. I don't know, but positive mental mindsets. Richard, I've got another fishing question for you. Obviously, you're out there putting lines and bait out for cod and halibut. Do you ever catch anything weird? Yeah, sometimes. Um, boy, we had one season off the, the coast of Washington that we just caught uh, a ton of blue sharks. Um, and on every hook, there seemed to be a blue shark. And they would either, uh, what you don't want them to do, is take the hook on the way down because then they get down to the bottom of the ocean and as you're setting for black cod, they'll spin themselves up into a you know tight ball. And then as you start, uh, and then of course drowned, which is awful. But uh, as you're bringing them back up, as you're, and their teeth are so sharp that they just start parting a line. So you're, you know, hauling up, you know, miles of line and you got all these sharks along the, you know, the, the long line and it's just parting which is real annoying. Uh, we brought up, you know, things from World War II out in the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Uh, you bring up, uh, one time brought up a, a Rainier beer can down, where were, where were we on that? We are I think, out the Seward Gully uh, in Alaska here. Brought a beer can up, caught it by the tab, and we brought it up, put it on deck, and out comes a little octopus. Tiny little octopus, and that was, that was pretty neat. That is pretty neat. That's a really cool story. Yeah, then then you're, you know, of course, up in the, you know, up fishing in Alaska. 
and uh, we'll catch a you know pomfret, you know some tropical fish, you know the occasional whatever the the La Nina, El Nino, whatever it is, uh, the you know the blob is running around, or we'll catch a tuna, you know, out there or something, and it's, sh- it's something that shouldn't be, and you do, and it, which is unusual. Um, or you'll see uh, you know something floating out in the ocean from um, Japan. It was, one time we were all convinced by the entire crew, crew of five grown men, uh, hundred miles offshore. You know we're on the continental shelf at this point. We're uh, we see this. It looked like a UFO, and we were convinced it was a UFO out in the ocean. And you could see it from a ways away. It was a flat day. And we took the time to go drive up to it, and it was just a big ass piece of styrofoam. So, <laughs> just things like that, you know, optical illusions of uh, something crazy out there. And, and uh, but, and then you'll see you know, seeing a lot of really neat things. I did on the way home from um, I was coming in from a trip, getting ready to fly home um, from a, a long line trip, uh, our last trip going home. Seeing it was going to have Hugh. I flew, uh, we were driving the boat into Sitka, and on the way in I found a, a glass ball that was probably, oh, probably a gallon and a half big, and I just saw it bobbing along. I was on watch, and pulled it out of gear, went out and got it, and it had this, this uh, it had floated over from Japan, and it had a, an immense, probably a two-foot-long, three-foot-long beard of barnacles hanging off this, this thing had been in the ocean for who knows how long that was you know a neat find i can imagine the uh the the strange and oddities would be would be uh, a lot of entertainment when you're out there on the ocean <laughs> yeah 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 catching uh you know different kind of fish and you can you know see that they respond differently and and uh, some fish like i was talking to one of my coworkers the other day we were talking about uh mammals when you you know catch a mammal um uh or even a, a, a non-mammal would be like a, a skate that, you know, you can see these, these creatures have more than just a, um, a mouth that they feed. They, they actually have like a soul. It's just an odd thing that you just look at them and you go, oh, they're looking back at you, which is weird. So, um, you know, it's, it's been interesting. And, and in my time of fishing, you know, when uh, I very first started fishing, um, the sperm whales were, uh, just starting to, they'd come up and still lay up against the boats and, you know, interact and uh, would have the occasional, you know, they, you'd throw heads out to them or something like that. And uh, now uh, they're, you know, out there uh, taking every fish off your line and, and you come up on them and you can scare them sometimes and they'll uh, shit themselves. And uh, it's kind of a funny interaction with these, these huge animals. Sounds like giant seagulls or something in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we deal with the big giant seagulls too. The, the albatross are funny, funny animals, funny birds. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, Richard, if our if our uh, listeners want to connect with you, they want to see the work you're doing. Uh, what's the best way for that to happen? So uh, we have uh, two websites. Um, we started uh, direct marketing my fish here about 10 years ago uh, and seen that I've done a fairly decent job of keeping track of, um, you know, how the industry's going. Um, when I first started fishing, that's all, I just long lined. I mean, it was, you know, I went to Bristol Bay for a couple of years and then I just jumped on a long liner and, and that's what we did. Um, and the quota started dying off and we saw, you know, kind of the writing on the walls. We needed to, you know, maybe uh, generate a little bit more income. So we started, uh, direct marketing my fish exclusively um and then that grew into uh, which is you can contact us there at cena uh, c s e n a s e a dot com and then uh five years ago uh i had the opportunity to purchase uh, a processing facility here in cordoba um it might have been the stupidest idea that i've ever done uh but I, I put together a, a little investment group um, to people that like-minded and uh, thought that we had a pretty good idea, kind of business partner, and where we uh, we openly buy um, and wholesale fish from you know halibut, black cod, uh, all the copper river species, you know sockeye, king, coho, and uh, um, 
and that's the facility that I run. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Probably the coolest job that I've ever done, quite honestly. It's super challenging, super um, intense. I work at it uh, probably 16 to 18 hours a day, every day. And, um, it's really rewarding when it goes right and really frustrating when it's not right. So it's, it's just been one of these things that um, it's fun. I've met a lot of great people. And I love selling fish. I've learned a lot about how to do it there. And you can reach us there at uh, 60 degrees north of Cordova, Alaska. Awesome. Richard, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation with me. And I want to encourage our guests, if you want to connect with Richard, we've got those links in the show notes and on our description on YouTube. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate the conversation, and uh, I could probably go on for hours about uh, all these things that I think about when I'm out fishing. It's it's truly one of the, the greatest experiences that I've ever had in my life, you know, and, and I, I really do feel um, fortunate to be able to um, have, you know, done this for a living. And uh, because it is, you know, um, the American dream to be your own shrimp and boat captain, you know, um, and go out and do it. And I, I just love it. That's wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing it with us. And uh, I think we've learned a number of lessons from hearing about your story and your experiences today. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Nice talking with you. You too. Richard, it was great to have you on the Manlyhood Mancast today. I really appreciate your perspective. You've got a, a really great way of seeing things, and I want to wish you the best of luck. And I hope you catch all the fish, <laughs> or at least all the fish you should be catching. Gentlemen, if you want to check out the work that Richard is doing, make sure you check out the links that we've got in the show notes because it's pretty cool. And guys, I just want to remind you again, you can get our beard oil, the Manlyhood Apothecary Dirty Beard Oil made with CBD at our website at manlyhood.com slash store. And I'd appreciate it, guys. If you're listening to this on iTunes or on Spotify, leave us a rating or a review. If you're watching it on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, share it. Let's tell everybody about this. Uh, I, I would love it, guys, if we could really grow our reach because the men that are getting something out of this take the time to share it and to tell others about it. So please, Tell others about it. Invite them to the Facebook group. We would love to have you. Anyway, as always, guys, I just want you to know that I love you and I care about you. And I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for Manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.